song of enlightenment. The slides. Okay, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for coming. It's nice to see you again. Um, I've been uh, gone a while, so I'm back. So uh, I kind of don't know what to talk about. <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, unless you have questions, I can uh, talk to, about the Song of Enlightenment, which he tells us about glimpses, gives us glimpses about enlightenment, what enlightened people get or understand. Any questions? Yes, sir. Three. Uh, I just want to say it's good to see you again, Master. And thank you. Yeah. Um, anything you want to talk about is okay. Okay. Thank you. Anyone else? Questions, comments, suggestions? Yeah? Hmm. Okay. Uh, if not, then we can go to slide 73. Uh, he, uh, he says, after enlightenment, emptiness is emptied. Uh, this refers to the difference of enlightenment between the four stage arhats and the bodhisattvas. The, the arhats, the sound hearers, are considered to be uh, enlightened in Mahayana because they call small enlightenment. This small enlightenment is when you put an end to your ego. Okay, uh, so there's a very big step, a very important step, where, uh, where until you put an end to your ego, until you can restrain your ego and get it under control, it's very difficult for us to bring you the high levels. Okay, so this is a very important milestone where you get to the fourth stage jahat or uh, the sound hearer's uh, higher level attainment, then you, uh, you have what is considered real wisdom. Below that, you don't have any wisdom. You are easily confused, and it's not, not much we can do. Okay? Whereas when you get to the fourth stage jahat where there's no more ego, then is a lot, uh, a lot, a lot about broader venues that are open to you. So that's a very important milestone. Okay, mm. and uh, but that's uh, still called small enlightenment. This line here in seventy-three after enlightenment here refers to the big enlightenment of the bodhisattvas, where you. Uh, attain the level of wisdom of the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas, meaning that you understand uh, the same, you have access to the same kind of wisdom, uh, enlightenment, or the kind of wisdom that Buddhas can see, albeit your wisdom level is still a slice of the whole big picture. But it's still what you see is what the Buddha also sees, or the Bodhisattvas also see. Is that clear? Mm. So therefore, it's called, you have the same wisdom as the Buddha, 
Uh, don't get a big head. The same wisdom here refers to the fact that you are uh, seeing the same thing as a Buddha, but only it's a slice, a very tiny window into the Buddha's wisdom. Is that clear? And what is the nature of that vision of that enlightenment or the wisdom? Is that uh, the emptiness is also emptied. This refers to the uh, emptying of the Dharma. Okay, meaning that when you get the four stage ahat, you are you empty the the ego, the self, but the Dharma is not empty. Meaning what? This is a problem of the four stage ahats and the sound hearers and the pratyeka Buddhas. Uh, once they realize they put an end to the ego, it's incredibly blissful. It's a kind of joy and bliss that ne they never could experience before. It's so fantastic that it far exceeds anything else in this world. It's so blissful that they become attached to it. And they said, since I'm empty, you are empty, the red cars are empty, money is empty, my wife is empty, my children's empty, so what's the point? It doesn't matter. Nothing matters anymore. Okay? Is that clear? That's wisdom right there. You're able, wisdom is that you're able to let go, including you can let go of your God, you can let go of your Buddha even. That's wisdom. Okay? It's no attachment. Buddha is when he helps you develop wisdom. It's not on the condition that you venerate him or worship him and that he's the most important person in the world. No. There's no wisdom in there. Wisdom is to be able to let go, to drop it. Okay? And you drop anything. And therefore, the sound hearers have this problem. They are attached to nothing at all. And because that lack of attachment, it is so blissful, incredibly blissful, that they said, why should I bother? Why should I bother opening a temple? Why should I bother teaching you? Because you are so much hassle. And besides, it doesn't matter. I'm empty, you're empty, the temple is empty, money is empty, food is empty, everything is empty. So why bother? Whatever we do is still empty. So that's why mm, the four-stage ahats and the sound ears in particular, they uh, are attached to this concept of emptiness without realizing it. Pastor, could I please have these Pokemon cards? Okay. <laughs> mm. All right. Is that clear? And this is what they don't realize. Uh, I, I, I heard this from uh, a few ahats I had a chance to talk to in my early days. and said, everything is empty, so why bother? Why should I bother at all with you? Okay, why should I bother teaching you or helping you? Okay, uh, and I don't need anything. Why should I take your offering? Huh? I don't need your money. I don't need your food. Okay, it's all empty anyway. They have such, such wisdom. And, and it's not just words. When they 
sit down and meditate, they feel validated. And the bliss from being free of all attachments is so wonderful. And because of that, they said, ah, what a wonderful state of mind, what a wonderful discovery. And therefore, they are, without realizing it themselves, attached to this concept of emptiness. So in Buddhism, the jargon is that uh, the self is emptied of the ahats, but the dharma is not empty. It's so elegant way of putting it, and it's kind of make it sort of mystical. Well, all it means is that they attach this, this dharma of emptiness. Is that clear? That's a huge problem for the sound hearers. Deep down, you talk to them. I talk to um, many of them. They attach to that concept where it doesn't matter anymore because everything is empty anyway. So whatever you do, it doesn't matter at all because ultimately, if I take money from you, offerings from you, whether it's $1 or $10 or $10,000, it doesn't matter. It's all empty. They're so detached from everything. That's why they're so happy. The reason you're not happy is because you have so many attachments. You can't let go. Yes? You have a question? Oh, I was just going to say, that sounds really nice. Oh, it's fantastic. I be, yeah, That's, I bet. Cause, it's, uh... it's true freedom. Okay? You're free from everything. Okay? However, uh, that, that awareness of freedom right there, okay, is called attachment to the Dharma, the Dharma of emptiness. Dharma refers to the concept emptiness. You're so attached to it without realizing it. And this is what the, the, I feel that the Chinese explanation of the attachment of Dharma is not clear. It spells out, I spell it out for you. Attachment of Dharma meaning it's attachment to the concept of emptiness. To the realization that Everything is empty. You're empty. She's empty. The fans are empty. Bao Bao is empty. You know, everything's empty. The temple's empty. So why bother? Okay? Yes, eight. Uh, Master, what's the difference between being empty and being depressed? Like, how can you tell the difference? The difference is that when you're depressed, you don't feel good. Do you feel good when you're depressed? Uh, I don't feel feel like it. Okay? Whereas emptiness here, when you get into this uh, samadhi of of the fourth stage ahat, you're so happy. Anything else? So that's why it says here, 
emptiness, the concept of emptiness or the awareness of emptiness is emptied. Okay? Meaning that the attachment of force jahat, okay, uh, is no longer an issue for the bodhisattvas. Yes, five. Good morning, Master. Um, I am fielding uh, the comments and questions from YouTube for you. Yes. Uh, this is from Diego Alfonso. Amitaful Master, last night I was working and I felt very tired. Out of the sudden, I remembered the story when Master visited Master Shenhua and he was skin and bones. And I felt like Master Shenhua. You felt like Master Shenhua. Yes, Master, that's what it says. Okay. Congratulations. Okay. That's it? Okay. Mm. Okay. Mm. So emptiness is empty. Okay. Uh, so again, this is a jargon. This is uh, the state of a bodhisattva. That's how they talk. Okay. Uh, so the difference with the bodhisattva is that they are no longer attached to emptiness. Okay? And it turns out that when you let go of the attachment to emptiness of the sound hearers, it's even far more blissful than a sound hearer's bliss. If it were less, then why, why should we? Why should you? Does it make sense? The reason we tell you to drop your God, to drop, drop your, your forces out, because you get so much more out of it if you are able to do that. And so this is a message we need to send to the sound hearers or the people who are who are practicing that don't stop. Okay? Uh, you stop too soon, you will miss out on all the fun. Okay? And it gets more and more fun the more, uh, the higher you climb. All right? Uh, and that's what is meant by emptiness is emptied. Okay? There is no world. Mm. Uh, meaning that, uh, in particular, the bodhisattvas are uh, dealing with a bigger domain, a bigger range of issues, like world issues. Okay? Ahats actually, their focus is pretty narrow. Bodhisattvas, they are dealing with worldly issues. Okay? World here, we're talking about. Uh, a galaxy. I'm talking big, yes, but that's their state. Yes, five. Uh, Master, I apologize. I spoke too soon. Uh, Diego had more to his story. Um, I think I'll start from the beginning because it's quite, uh, quite long. 
Amita Fullmaster, last night I was working and I felt very tired. All of a sudden, I remember the story when Master visited Master Shinwa and he was skin and bones. And I felt like Master Shinwa came and told me, who is tired? And then I felt recharged and I felt like this great Mahasattva uh, have a single thought of me or myself. They give everything for others. They are limitless and boundless. And I felt bliss, and it was beautiful. Now in my mind, I have a drive to be like them, to be compassionate without limits. He says, uh, as a comment, I know it sounds a little crazy saying that I felt like Master Shinwa. Ha ha. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, very good. That's a nice state. Okay. Uh, uh, that is a good state. Uh, that's and then congratulations. Uh, uh, it's he's lucky that he has enough blessings to be uh, not to be uh, not become mis misguided because usually a lot of people who who they tend to to. Um, get stuck on these uh, imaginations where they imagine that they're like Master Shenhua and so forth. They imagine they're God or they imagine they're Allah and so forth. Okay? And it's a form of delusion. They delude themselves. For in his case here, it's not the case. I certify that he entered samadhi, and that's how he felt blissful, and he uh, has this surge of energy. That's how you can tell. Okay? Uh, so that's because he has enough blessings for that to happen. Uh, be, be careful, folks. Mm. When you practice, uh, you can fall into these uh, states where you, your mind uh, imagine these states. So basically you delude yourself. Okay? And it's so real to you. It's very dangerous. So unless you have a good no advisor who can help recognize it for you, uh, you can f f uh, get entrapped. Okay? And there's so many ways for them to come and distract you and uh, disorient you so many ways okay in all dharma doors not just the chan but also reciting the buddha's name mantras of course and so forth okay so be careful so in this case here it's a good thing congratulations all right any other questions okay uh and Wu Da Qian, Wu Da Qian here, Gu Gu Wu Da Qian. So, Master Shenhua explained it as uh, in that in in the state of the no world, no oh, emptiness emptied. Okay, and he says there's no more mark of of uh, of uh, of uh, men, no more mark of itself, no more a mark of 
living beings, no more mark of lifespan. Okay, and that's how he explained uh, no world. Okay, uh, and uh, uh, yeah, those are uh, not bad, uh, but uh, but um, but uh, it is. Uh, I read this a long time ago. He explained it this way in in at, at, in many places and. Uh, I fail to see the connection between uh, when there is no mark of, uh, uh, of oneself, no mark of others, no mark of uh, living beings, and no mark of uh, lifespan uh, is uh, a good uh, way to introduce a concept of no world. Okay, and uh, at at uh, when I uh, when I was looking at this uh, months ago, maybe like last year or so, I thought uh, there's a better way to explain it, and I forgot completely. <laughs> uh, that's what happens. You 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 have to ask me right away. If you make um, you wait too long, I will forget. Okay. So I don't remember what was I thought would be a better way to explain why there's no world. Why do bodhisattvas, you know, don't see as no world? Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, let's move on. No offenses or blessings, no loss or benefits. Okay. And no offenses in slide seventy-six. Uh, blessings. So. Uh, no offenses or blessings. It, so it sounds like this, you, uh, you create offenses, it doesn't matter. If you create uh, good karmas, like creating blessings, it doesn't matter at all. Is it what happens to enlightened people? So there's a contradiction here between what we teach you, okay? Don't create offenses. Avoid doing bad things because you're creating offenses. You will suffer, okay? And on the other hand, you should create, do good deeds and create blessings, okay? That will create blessings, and you will end up getting good things out of it. Good things will happen to you. So, when, uh, so this is what you are taught. But then when you become enlightened, it turns out the offenses don't matter anymore, blessings don't matter anymore. Okay? What about loss and benefit? Again, Right now, you're cultivating because you find it, uh, you find it very beneficial. Okay? And, and you uh, open your wisdom to avoid and avoid losses. Okay? Gains only. Okay? And after you become enlightened, there's no more loss, there's no more benefits. So why are we doing this? Why do we need to become enlightened? 
this kind of kind of uh, uh, telling us it doesn't matter anymore. Yes, three. Well, uh, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I think the uh, the uh, idea is is that um, pa- passion. You know, when we're passionate about things, it it, uh, it clouds our mind a lot. For me, definitely a lot. So I've been really working on you know uh, stop being as passionate about things because it's. It's it's just it it it, it doesn't feel as good as it as when when you're more calm. Okay, uh, but what about offenses and blessings? Well, I think offenses come from uh, from the attachments that we have. Um, because you you commit the offenses because of your attachments, because you want something that you you're willing to do something bad to get it. It seems to me that he's describing a state of enlightenment here. He's a bodhisattva, a master Yung Cha, the author of this song Enlightenment. He says, "I'm enlightened." I, that's why I wrote this song, this poem, extolling the discovery, my discoveries of the state of enlightenment. I'm going to share it with you in the form of a poem. Okay? And I call it Song Enlightenment. And he says, for me right now, I don't care about offenses. I don't care about blessings. I don't care for losses. I don't care for benefits. Okay? So he's negating. Uh, the teaching that we learn fundamentally is beneficial for us to do Chan. Uh, and you uh, don't want to uh, fall in the lower realm because you will endure a lot of suffering and lose a lot of time. Okay? Uh, and you want to avoid creating offenses because you will suffer. In order, and, and in contrast, you should create blessings because you you'll be much better off. So that's what we taught. That's what compels us to cultivate the practice chan and endure the hardship, endure the leg pains and the and the and the, and the hip pains, okay, the discomfort uh, and the lack of sleep, okay. Uh, so after you become enlightened like Master Yung Cha, it doesn't matter anymore. So is that wisdom? So are we are we are we are we pulling your leg? And this is a problem with Buddhism. When we when you when we tell you these things, they sound contradictory. And it creates confusion. So how do you explain this? How do you justify this concept? It's true. 
When he's enlightened, Master Yung Chan is very truthful. He's not lying to, to us. He, he sees no more offenses. He sees no more blessings. Uh, he sees no more loss. He sees no more benefit. And, what's, and, and the related question is, how is it different from a four-stage Rahat? Because you talk to a four-stage Rahat, he said, uh, don't commit offenses. Four-stage Rahat, you're right, it doesn't matter. Okay? Offenses are not as empty anyway. Okay? And blessings, the things you have, your cars, your houses are empty anyway. So it doesn't matter. Loss and benefit, of course, it doesn't matter. A loss of zero or the benefit of emptiness is still just emptiness. So how is it different from a source state of hearts? Yes, sir, three. Uh, I was just wondering, was, uh, this sounds a lot like nihilism. So uh, I think that's a lot of uh, a problem or a question a lot of people who uh, learn Buddhism have. Mm -hmm. That this um, subject sounds a lot like nihilism. So uh, what's, what's the, uh, the difference? The difference, nihilism is, is, uh, is, uh, is uh, kakamemi. Kakadoo, there you go. Uh, the nihilism is confusion, okay, is stupidity. Because it basically said everything will be destroyed anyway. It's so untrue because uh, your Buddha nature is never destroyed. Okay? The Buddha nature is forever. All right? So there's so many, so many examples where nihilism uh, uh, are, uh, can be proven to be nonsense. Kokamimi! <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Yeah, see, special effects. <laughs> so, what is the difference? They go into some technical aspects of Buddhist jargon that you need to be aware of. And most scholars don't get this. Most people don't get this. Yes, five. Thank you, Master. Um, I have a comment here from Diego. Amitafo, Master. I was also thinking about this since you explained the three ways of repentance. And the last one was the repentance of emptiness, if I recall correctly. And I think it does matter because we are not enlightened yet. So we are not victims of 
our karmic retribution. After you get enlightened, then you keep on doing it because of compassion to help all living beings. Okay. Here's what it means. Okay. Master Yung Cha, he's enlightened. So he is saying that to me right now, in my state of enlightenment, I'm not afraid of offenses. That's what it means. I'm not attached to blessings. I'm not worried about loss. I'm not greedy for gains either. That's what this, these, uh, these, uh, these uh, phrases really are describing his state. Of course, there's always offenses. In Buddhism, if you hurt someone, if you are doing stupid things, you are creating offenses. No two ways about it. Okay? Uh, and if you do good things, like you are a moral person, you help others, you do good deeds, you're creating blessings for yourself. That's real. Okay? So Master Yung Cha says, although those are real, okay, to me, they are all empty. Okay? So... Uh, so he can, he's able to see both them both as real, okay? The offenses are real. You're going to get hurt. But him, is, to him, he's not attached to getting hurt either when he creates offenses while trying to help someone. Okay? Because when you violate precepts, you will you're creating offenses. And because you're creating offenses, you will have to undergo retribution. You will suffer. And to him, he says, for Master Yung Chia says, I'm not worried about creating offenses in my job. Okay? I'm not doing this because I'm greedy for blessings. Okay? I'm not, I don't have a calculating mind like you where I'm always figuring out what's in it for me, the loss and benefits, or break even, talk to a businessman. Okay? So this is all he's saying. He says, for me, Yung Jia, I'm not worried about offenses. I'm not scared. I'm not greedy for blessings. I'm not worried about loss. I'm not greedy for benefits. That's all he's saying. He's not negating uh, that they're not true. He says, to me, okay, when I do something good, okay, I don't see it as a benefit at all. Does it make sense to you? He says, when I am... And when I when I give money to someone, another 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 person to build a temple, okay, uh, or build a hospital or build a bridge, I don't see any any merit and virtue for me at all. I don't see it as, as a big deal at all. I do it 
Okay? I don't see any blessings. I see it as, as soon as I'm, I'm, I, I do it, I'm, I'm done. I don't even remember. So therefore, what blessings are we talking about? Once I steal like Robin Hood from the rich to help the poor, okay, if I have a chance to do that, to help someone, uh, uh, and so that I can send it to uh, uh, the Gaza Strip, okay, to help people in need right now. I don't see it uh, as an offense for me to steal in order to help others. I'm not worried about it. Because when you, hear, when you talk about the concept of offenses, there's, a, there's trepidation there. You're afraid because you're creating offenses. You know you will suffer because of it, like it or not. And Master Yung Cha says, yes, I know I will suffer, but I don't see as I'm not scared. Therefore, I look at it as no offenses. Does it make sense? It's not like he's crazy. It's not like he's deluding himself. He says, I'm not afraid of it. I'm not greedy for blessings. I'm not greedy for benefit. I'm not afraid of offenses. I'm not afraid of losses. Yes, sir. Oh, I was just going to say that's pretty, uh, it's pretty, pretty living on the edge if you're, if, you're, if you're someone who's not enlightened like us. Yeah. I'd never do that. Don't do that. It's not for you. He's talking about that right now, where you are. You need to know where you are. He says, where I am right now is quite different from where you are. If this interests you, continue. Progress towards it. That's what it's meant to, to say. Questions, comments? Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's like really such a high level because I'm still really attached to uh, cultivate blessings. I think a lot of us are. It's, yeah, it's it's really that's really incredible to think to think that there's higher levels of that of that where you you're not even attached to blessings at all. Why is that? What's what's the rationale for not being attached to blessings? Well, you just explained um, that uh, he doesn't see good or bad, so there's no benefit for him for getting blessings. Let me give you another tip. He doesn't see any blessings because? He's enlightened? No. It's like, let's just say that for him, uh, for him uh, to uh, use his, uh, his, uh, his, uh, his money to give me a temple, for example, okay? Give away his blessings like that. Give me a temple. Uh, much bigger than this, hopefully. <laughs> for me, uh, the size matters. You can talk all you want. You want to give me, give me something? Give me something big, man. <laughs> Bigger. 
Okay? My point is that when he, when he gives a big temple to me personally and say, hey, you want, you, you, I heard you very poor. Here you go. And you have a lot of disciples. Here you go. And there's a bigger building for you and your disciples to, to practice together. Okay? Uh, to him, to me, it's a huge, huge thing. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah? You agree? To him, it's like nothing. You understand? It's like a tip you leave on for your waiter and your waitress in a restaurant. Okay? It's nothing to them. That's why they can, he can really say that I don't see his blessings because I have so many blessings that I'm not worried about creating more blessings. So I'm doing it for the sake of doing it for your help, for yourself, not for me, so that I get more blessings for myself. Does it make sense? And so, so what is the difference between this kind of perspective versus the Ahat's perspective which says, what offenses, what blessings, what loss, what benefit? Everything is empty. The difference is that the fourth stage, Ahat, sees the same thing as a bodhisattva. Okay? He says, what offenses? What blessing? Everything is empty. There's no loss. There's no benefit. Okay? Because of that, the art says, I don't need to do a darn thing. Because it's empty. Therefore, I don't need to do a thing. In contrast, Bodhisattva says it's empty, but it's empty only to me. It's not empty to him, not empty to her. And therefore, I still want to help him. I still want to help her. Because I'm supposed to. Because I can. Okay? Whereas Ahat says, I can help some, but I'm not going to because it doesn't matter. It's totally his own perspective. He says, I don't care. Okay? I don't care. Buddha praises God, praises God. I don't care. It's all empty anyway, so I don't care. I don't need to do anything because ultimately it's all empty. Buddha's praise is also empty. Others approve is so empty. So why does it matter to me? Okay. Yes, five. Uh, Master, it just seems like such a complete different point of view between the four-stage arhat and the bodhisattva. Yes. Because it's so limited. Yes. Whereas the bodhisattva continually, it sounds like, continually keeps making, doing things to help someone, and they're not thinking about the blessings. They're doing it to help somebody. Yes. Because they can. 
Yes. And that's why they have even more blessings. And they just, they just keep going and they don't even think. It's just to help somebody. When someone helps you without looking at it as blessings, guess what? What? His blessings are even more than before. <laughs> so much more than before. <laughs> that that's sounds a pretty secret. good. <laughs> that's a secret. If you have so many blessings and you say, I don't need more blessings, I, you know, I give some to God, I give some to his God, I give some to his Allah, I give some to Yung Hua for a bigger temple, bigger church. Okay, and they give it, say, okay, I give it to you. And don't even think about it. Okay, and that's why when, they, when you're able to give in that fashion, help in that fashion, your blessing is just explode. And that's why it makes them even more despondent towards even more blessings. Really? I have more blessings? Oh, thank you. See that? And so it's, 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 a, it's a self-feeding cycle because with you enlightened, you do things out of your wisdom and you're creating these incredible, incredible uh, blessings for yourself. Because you're absolutely not attached to it. Next. In the still extinct nature, no questions or seeking. 78. In the still extinct nature, okay, still here is G, okay, G uh, is stillness. Stillness here refers to uh, there's no more thoughts arising as a state of wisdom. Wisdom is uh, the state of these enlightened sages. They have no more thoughts. Uh, extinct nature. Uh, uh, the extinct nature is that uh, because there's no thought, uh, it's called extinct. Okay? Meaning that why is it called extinct? It's called extinct because he started with thoughts arising and he got to, the, to this state where no more thought arises, therefore it's called extinct. And it's also called still because no more thought arises, therefore it's extinct. And, and uh, I mean, it kills all the thoughts and no more thought arising, therefore it's still. Yes, question. Uh, Master, I have a question here from the live chat YouTube from Robin's Nest. Amitaful Master, Venerable Master, I have a question that I'm very much interested in asking. For those who practice Nianfo, N-I-A-N-F-O, it is said that one should dedicate the merit and blessings of one's practice toward sentient beings so that they as well may be born in Sukhavati. If this is so, there are, 
if this if there are no blessings why is this so is this more uh, euphemism for the unenlightened the that teaching is for the unenlightened people okay buddhism uh, uh, the way the buddhism is was that he learned the buddhism he learned is for unenlightened people. After you become enlightened, there's, you're able to uh, uh, expand your horizons and understand the other side of the equation. Okay? So what you learn in terms of Nianfo, the resigning Buddha's name, Dharma Door, is the objective is to go to the Pure Land. Okay, so you recite the Buddha's name to get reborn to the Pure Land. And uh, when you uh, recite it, you want to give away the blessings from the recitation to help all living beings so that they, they too can attain rebirth to the Pure Land. Right there is the philosophy of the Pure Land, Dhammador, meaning that don't worry so much about going to the Pure Land yourself solely, okay? This is what the Hinayana practitioners are taught in the, in the Buddha recitation, Dharmador. They are saying, I'm so desperate, I just want to go to the pure land. I don't care, okay? And that's the wrong way of practicing the, that Dharmador. That Dharmador is meant to, yes, you seek for rebirth of the pure land, but as you go through this process of cultivation of pure and Damador, seeking to be reborn there, you're creating these blessings for yourself, give them away to everyone else to help them go to, uh, to the pure land too. And that is the spirit of the pure land Damador. It's never only for yourself. And that's why these people who recite and who are taught to recite only a Dhammador, this Dhammador, and, and recite it, and, we, and they're so desperate to get there, it's the wrong way of practice, first of all. Okay? Number two. Mm. Uh, number two, uh, that Dhammador there, if you practice it that way, you recite this Buddha's name, and with all the blessings you're creating, you're accruing for yourself through this Dharma door, you should give it away. Don't keep it for yourself. Okay? You should help others go to the pure land. Okay? Instead of benefiting only yourself, that is what you're taught in that, that particular Dharma door. However, uh, when, after you become enlightened, that's a different ballgame. All right? Here, uh, I'm explaining uh, enlightenment from the Chan perspective. I'm not explaining it from the Pure Land Damador perspective. So I'm not going to go any further than that today. Okay? Hmm. So, oh, back to slide 78. Master Yung Jia, he's referring to his enlightened nature. His enlightened nature is extinct and still. Okay? Uh, and therefore, uh, in that state of still extinction, there's no questions, there's no seeking. 
Okay. What is he referring to? Hmm. He referring to well, that Buddha's wisdom, and he's kind of boasting a little bit. Okay, here, uh, and I, in my my humble opinion, he's he's bragging a little bit. He says, uh, "In my still and extinct nature, enlightened nature, I have no more questions. I have no more seeking. Uh, actually." Is incorrect at his level, okay? Because of the way he describes his enlightenment, okay, this tells me that he does not his level of enlightenment is not uh, that high compared to some of you, okay? Because he says, "I have no more questions. I have no more seeking," okay. Uh, that's only because his enlightenment level is low. Okay, so you see, uh, folks, uh, we're talking about the world of enlightenment here versus your world, where you are unenlightened, therefore stick to the book teachings, the, the, uh, the uh, uh, corporate line where you hold precepts and you build blessings and you avoid offense and so forth. You need to do that in order for you to free yourself okay, from your suffering. But once you get there, okay, it's more than just enlightenment. Mm. Because enlightenment has many, many levels. And Master Yung Chia's level, he says, I have no more questions. I have no more seeking. Uh, he's wrong. To put it bluntly, he's wrong. Okay? He should have more questions. He should have more seeking. Why is that? Because he's no Buddha yet. Master Yung Chia is not a Buddha. And therefore, he still have a lot of things to learn. He has quite a long way to go before he has no more questions, he has no more seeking. Uh, no more question, no more seeking assumes that you know everything, okay, and you attain everything, therefore no more seeking, and that's the state of a Buddha. He's no Buddha. Because Buddha don't don't talk like this. Is that clear? Buddha would not describe to us the state of enlightenment. No Buddha I know of would ever describe the state of enlightenment like he does. So you know that this guy is no Buddha. Okay? 79. Recently, the dusty mirror has not been polished. Hmm. Recently, 
recently is a reminder. You must do it regularly, not periodically. Okay, uh, and so, uh, so, uh, and so the dusty mirror, because the mirror here refers to your inherent wisdom. Uh, your inherent wisdom, even though you own it very much like your own your own mirror, it may be able to function as a mirror, but if you don't dust the mirror, okay, it will not work very well. Same thing in your wisdom. Your wisdom needs to be dusted constantly. Okay? And so, so this is a reminder that uh, uh, your wisdom, your inherent wisdom, your open wisdom, you need to dust it regularly. So that's what, before you become enlightened, you need to meditate an hour a day. After you become enlightened, uh, you probably need to do more. <laughs> Does it make sense? It doesn't mean that after you enlighten, you say, okay, I don't need to meditate anymore. Why do you need to meditate more after you become enlightened? Because after you become enlightened, uh, there's more dust on your mirror. Why? Why is there more dust? Similar is more dust because you have to have more people using your mirror. Okay, and therefore you need to do more dusting. All right, time is up. Any final questions? It's kind of cool. I want you. This is a humbling experience, but I want you to, uh, I want to expose you to this thing here where uh, I want you to see that uh, that Buddhist teaching is a lot broader than you think. And unfortunately, the scholars or the book's teachings or uh, the Hinayana teaching is skewed, is limited, and therefore, especially the Chinese explanation of Dharma is, is somewhat too elegant, too, uh, too scholarly. And that's why it tends to be mystical. I had so many questions when I was practicing on my own, studying on my own. Okay? And, and so you need to understand that uh, the Buddhist teaching, the Buddhist wisdom is so vast, a lot more than you think. Okay, and we just don't have time to tell you. So don't think that whatever you read so far on these last 30, 40, 50 years, 30, 40, 50 lifetimes is Buddhism. 
No, it's only a small subset of Buddhism that we're transferring to you. And that's why it's important for us to get glimpses of other worlds, of the enlightened people like Master Yung Chia, and see what it's like from his vantage points. And then in the future, hopefully we get more like from Master Wei Shan, Master Yang Shan, who are much higher level than Master Yung Chia, to see how they see things, how they live their lives. Okay? All right. Thank you, everyone. Mm-hmm.